Praise God. Well, are you glad to be here this morning? Amen. Look over to that person beside you and say, get ready. Amen. So before we get going this morning, I want to pray because I don't want you to hear my ramblings this morning or my rabbit trails. I want you to hear uh, the word of the Lord. Amen. I'm sure y'all all would like to have that have that too, wouldn't you? And so uh, let's just pray. Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name that as, as we come to the part of the service where we're sharing your word, Lord, that it is your word. It's not my words. It's words of power, words of faith, and words of much assurance that will turn the people's hearts this morning to you, Lord. That everybody out in the world that's listening, everybody's going to view this broadcast, Lord. Everybody, no one uh, turns my words around, but they hear the word of the Lord coming to us today. And it, Lord, it moves us closer to you. And so, Lord, I praise you for it. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for making it happen in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, there's so many things going on in the world today. And, you know, we're three weeks away from an election. And I believe, you know, and I want to tell you this because, see, I can't go wrong. This is why I'm, I'm happy that when I stay with the word and I preach to you the word, then, you know, I cannot be wrong. Right. If I was to tell you everybody needs to go out and buy you a five gallon bucket of peanut butter, you know, because the world's, world's going to go to pieces. And, you know, that, you know, that, that could be wrong. Right. But as long as I'm telling you to get close to Jesus. It don't make any difference if anything, if anything, if, if tomorrow the world looks like roses, I still told you to get closer to Jesus. We all need to be doing that. Amen. And so, uh, I know I'm not wrong in my message this morning, but, uh, there's, there's, I'm putting, shooting with, a, I'm painting with a big brush. I'm painting with a big old wide brush this morning. Okay. And so, um, I feel like, you know, like, like, like I lived through 22,000. 2000, everybody was preaching Jesus is coming back. It's going to be the end of the world. All of a sudden, it was going to click over. The computers were all messed up. It was going to just one big zump. And then all the everything was going to go out to pieces. And then there's just going to be, uh, you know, all this stuff happened. And so I, we threw a party. We had a party over the fellowship all that night on New Year's night of, of 2000, from going from 1999 into 2000. I had a big party. I said, we might as well be here with all of our friends if the lights go out. And you don't know how tempted I was. I had it set up and arranged my, only because my wife is so godly. Uh, she wouldn't let me do it. I had them back there ready to go and shut the power off in the building at that moment to then see what everybody was really believing and what their faith really was. And if I was, you know, that say, look, you weren't really in faith. And then we turn the lights back on. But she didn't think that was appropriate. And so she kept me from doing it. And God bless her. I'm sure it would have been a disaster. But anyway, I thought it had been pretty funny. But I, I had no apprehension. I wasn't worried. I wasn't sitting there, you know, counting the clock down for midnight and thinking, oh, gosh, is this it? Is the world coming to an end? I, 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 I you know, I didn't do any preparation for it. Uh, uh, nothing. Okay. So now we're coming into this election and, and you're hearing a lot of different things out there in the world, a lot of different stuff going on. But, you know, Jesus told us throughout the scriptures, he says, I'm, there's going to be signs you can look at. All right. When Jesus was on, on, on in Jerusalem preaching, he told the Pharisees, he says, look, isn't it amazing that y'all go out and you can go fishing by what the, what you know that the, the weather looks like. I'm, I'm paraphrasing this. He says, you can look at the sky and you can look at the weather and you can tell whether you're going to go fish or not. But you can't even see the signs of the times right now. There were people in Jerusalem in the day that Jesus was crucified that were just going about doing business and just regular old stuff and didn't even know that the son of God was walking down the road going over there to die for the sins of the world. 
There were other people weeping and crying, and there it was. And other people thought, well, this is the end. It's over with. Other people had faith. You know, So there were, everybody was in different areas. Well, he told us to look for the signs of the time. And I believe, and I'm telling you, this is, yea, hey, thus saith Robert Richards. I'm not putting forth this as a, as a prophecy or anything. I'm just telling you, I'm looking at the signs. I'm looking at what I hear. I'm looking at what goes on. I really believe this election is a pivotal time for us. I believe we are going to live through a historic time. That's what I believe. All right. And I'm going to put it to you this way. This message is more this morning. I'm calling it this current war, but, um, I don't know. The title may change, but we're going to leave it like that for the moment. And uh, I'm going to share with you some things that I think are pivotal that you have to get into your heart. I think this morning, if you've never taken notes before, you need to at least take notes enough this morning and write these scriptures down because you're going to need them for ammunition for others. Okay, you're going to need that for ammunition for the enemy when he attacks you in your mind. You're going to need it for for for, you know, truth on the inside of you when somebody challenges you in your faith. Okay, so I think three there's one of three things about to happen. Could be a combination of two, but I'm just saying there's one of three things I believe is about to happen on the face of this earth. And and I don't know if it's going to be instantaneous quickly, or it's going to take a, a, a while for it to work out. But one of three things are going to happen. The first thing I believe that's going to happen is Jesus is coming back. Okay. Now that's an easy one because I know the Bible says Jesus is coming back and he is coming back. And, but you know, people have thought Jesus is coming back for a long time, but I just believe that I look at the signs of the times right now and I see that Jesus uh, I could see the father turning to Jesus and saying, go get your bride and, and the rapture of the church takes place. I believe that could happen in our lifetime, and I believe it could happen soon. So in saying that, I believe that if you're not right with Jesus, if you're listening to the broadcast this morning, first time you ever tuned in and you heard me just say that, well, listen, you better be ready for Jesus coming back because I believe now is the time to prepare for Jesus coming back. And if you're not right with God, you need to get right with God. And the only way to do that is to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, is to believe that he is the Son of God, that he died for you on the cross. I'm going to explain more about that in a minute. But to call upon the name of Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you in my life. All right. Now, I've told you this before that even you can read the book of Revelation and, the, and there's people on the end times when the when the Bible says actually the heavens roll up like a scroll that they that and God's face is shown to them that they say, hey, hide us from him. We don't want you in our life. That's pretty, pretty, pretty bad. Right. I mean, you're. You're, you're saying you don't want God. You're looking at God and you say you don't want to have anything to do with him. So not all men on the face of the earth are going to be saved. Not everyone is going to repent. Not everyone believes that God is real. And even when faced with God being real, are not going to accept him. OK, the second thing I believe. OK, now just hear me this. I believe with this election coming up, it's going to start a course of events for one of these last two things. Either the U.S. is going to turn from God, even greater than they have, or the U.S. is going to turn back to God. These are the three things I say that's coming into our lifetime right now, and part of the pivotal point is the election coming up. Either Jesus is coming back, the U.S. is going to turn away from God, or the U.S. is going to turn back to God, all right? I can, I can present you a scenario going both ways, all right? So, but I can't tell you right now which it is. 
Because there's a lot of predictions one way and there's a lot of predictions the other way. And sometimes you know how elections go. You just got to sit, wait and see what, how it all gets counted at the end and then what's going to happen. All right. But I want to show, I want to share something with you this morning that I believe is, is a revelation you have to have. It's a revelation you have to have in you. Okay. You have to know, you have to know truth. And you have to know where you stand with Jesus in this time. That's the only way you're going to make it through it. Folks, I'm, I'm, I'm reading articles and, and it's not, it's not, I'm not going to, you know, some kind of crazy tabloid news feed. You just, it's a normal news feed. I'm telling you, if America turns away from God, all right, if the election goes that way and we turn away from God, I'm telling you shortly, Shortly, you Christians are going to be the one who are the problem and the and the the problem in society that has to be dealt with. I read an article this morning of a guy who was a commentator who said that all people that support President Trump in the election are maggots and they must be dealt with if this society is going to move forward into a new world order. That's bold talk. Like John Wayne, like they said to John Wayne, that's bold talk to a one-eyed fat man. <laughs> and so I want to tell you something. You're the, you, you, you right here. You are the, the obstacle in what, what they want to do to move forward. You as a Christian are an obstacle because you believe the Bible is true and there's truths in the Bible that are directly, adamantly opposed to their beliefs, and it cannot move forward with you there. So you have to be out of the way. I do not know what that looks like. I can give you some Robert Richards thoughts, but they really wouldn't be any good, okay? So I believe if, if the election goes and the country turns from God, I believe shortly... You're going to feel persecution like you have never felt persecution before. You're going to feel shaming to denounce that you're a Christian more than you've ever felt before in your life, that you're going to have pressure upon you and decisions you're going to have to make in life that are going to mean that you will lose your comfort level of life that you have right now if you want to remain a Christian. I believe it with all of my heart. All right now. Good news, if I'm wrong on that era, and the U.S. turns back overwhelmingly to God, and all of a sudden there is major revival, and God bursts forth on the scene with, with uh, uh, you know, great Red Sea openings, and, and God's doing miracles, and revival comes, and people turn their hearts back to God, and we chunk out Roe versus Wade, and all of a sudden things start changing, and when everything's going that direction, we're going to find some fight on the other end, but God's going to move in your life, and it's going to be glorious and great, and that's what I'm praying for. But I can't tell you which way it's going to go, because I am not the majority in the world. But I can promise you this, after you get through hearing this message this morning, you are going to know the truth and you are going to know who you are in Christ and you are going to be in a foundational place that you can stand up and say, look, whichever way it goes, Lord, I'm ready to do whatever battle either way. I'm going to go, if it goes this way, 
I'm standing. If it goes this way, I'm standing because I'm with the rock, Jesus. Amen? Now, so go in your Bibles, get your Bibles out, and go to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Now, I'm telling you, you need to write these verses down. Let's write Galatians 2, 20 down because you're going to want to get these scriptures and look at them some more. Galatians 2, 20 and 21 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if the righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. This is a scripture, a fundamental scripture of your redemption in Jesus Christ that you have to get down. That no matter what it, no matter what it makes, it doesn't make any difference that they outlaw Christianity. If, if you're a Christian, you're hunted down and, 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 you know, sent to, uh, uh, off to a concentration camp. It don't make any difference. You're still been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it's not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Folks, this is not, this is not some fairy tale. This is not some just country club that we like to come together on Sunday because the air conditioning good. We got good music and man, we can get us some bottle of water, whole water, man. That ain't, no, this is not what this is about. Hello? This is about what we believe on the inside of us, that we have been crucified with Christ. And nevertheless, it's not I that live, but Christ lives in me. So then this life I live right now on this earth, I choose to live by faith in the Son of God. And that's it. End of story. You're not changing my mind. And when you stand up in the face of adversity like that, that you are so rooted and grounded right now that you're just saying, that's it. I am not moving. Jesus is real. I don't care what you want to say. The Bible is true. I don't care what you want to say. I don't care what you do. I don't care what goes on. I don't care what you threaten me with. I will not be moved. Okay. The next scripture, Ephesians 1, 7, Ephesians 1, 7. It says, for in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. When we understand that Jesus went to the cross and why did he go to the cross? He went to the cross to redeem you, to redeem. How many of y'all have ever redeemed something in a store? You took it and you redeemed it. You took it and you got your money back. He bought it. He paid for it. He got it. It's been redeemed. You, your soul, your life. When you committed your life to Jesus, said, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. Boom, man. The books got lined up. The books got corrected. The accounting books got all set up right and you didn't owe anything because he paid for your debt. He paid for it by his blood. Everybody say his blood. You were bought by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Look at the person beside you. Say, I've been bought by the blood of Jesus. Well, listen to me. If you've been bought by the blood of Jesus and that means you don't belong to you, you belong to him and he takes care of what's his. And when the, when the devil and the world's messing with you, they're messing with him. If you're bought under the blood. Unless you, unless you let the devil go talk to you and whisper in your ear and get you to crawl over there and say, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. And you could stay over there instead of rising up as a son of God and say, no, I've been bought by the blood of Jesus. Man, his blood on that cross. The devil took him to the cross and killed him, thought he was doing the world uh, a service, thought he was winning the battle. But when that blood poured down off that cross, whoo, man, he took it up to the mercy seat, poured it out for me and my sins got forgiven. It became the greatest victory in the world for me. The cross is not a place of defeat. The cross is the greatest place of victory. 
Next scripture, Colossians 121. Colossians 121. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. You were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you. This is such, this is one of those scriptures that make me just jump up and down and say, wow, God, I just get in. I mean, if you just opened the door for me, if I just got into heaven, you know, and just slipped around the corner, I'd be happy. But no, no, no. You said you redeemed me and now you're going to present me holy, blameless and above reproach in your sight. Hear what I'm saying, church. He said, man, he's going to present you. He's going to take you right up there, carry you right up to the father. Here he is, holy, unblameable, and unreprovable. That's what the blood did for you, church. Now, you're going to tell me, see, Hollywood's always done this. They always make the devil more powerful than God. They started doing this years ago by, with all the horror movies coming in. The devil always beats up. You know, it's always a Catholic priest. I don't know why they pick on the Catholics like that. Catholic priest goes in with his robe and his cross and his holy water, and the devil comes up, manifests, spins his head around about three times, jumps on the priest, throws him out the window. The priest catches on fire. The cross catches on fire. They always got some kind of crazy something, right? But just let me tell you, you're the one who's going to be presented holy and blameless and above reproach. And he's the one going to hell. And you're the one who has been bought with the price of the blood of Jesus and have been redeemed. And the devil is the one who is defeated. So let's get the scenario right. If anybody's running out of the room, he's running out of the room. Hello? If anybody's head's going to spin around three times, it's the devil's. Once he's confronted with a born-again Christian who understands the truth and who they are. Amen? Next scripture, Galatians 3.13. Galatians 3.13. I want to show you your redemption here. I want to to build in you your redemption before I get to the next part of this. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Everybody say, I've been redeemed. Come on, say it one more time real loud like you mean it. I've been redeemed. Oh, man, that means like the, the, the you know, like, 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 just think about it. You've been redeemed. That means like the, you know, the, 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 I, I don't, <laughs> I keep wanting to say these things. I think, oh, don't say that. It's live. <laughs> but I mean, it's like the police bust in. Everybody's got a gun on you. They're holding their gun on you. And they're saying, you know, we've got you at this charge. And all of a sudden you can step up and say, oh, excuse me here. No, I got redeemed. And they're like, oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, oh, sorry. Sorry we bothered you. See you later. I mean, the second is the devil running in like a pack of wolves on a little lamb. And they're just about to attack. And you say, oh, excuse me, I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. It's written curses everyone that hangs on the tree that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through him. Uh, excuse me, I'm, I have, I've been redeemed, and uh, the blessings are mine, so y'all can go away. The wolves are coming, and you say, oh, excuse me, I've been redeemed. Can't touch me. And he said, well, but, but pastor, sometimes we'll fight the devil. He said, well, Yeah. But if you've been crucified with Christ and you've got the truth on the inside of you and you pull out the redeemed card and he says, excuse me, I've been redeemed. 
The devil doesn't have anything. He can't do anything about it. He can snarl and he can, he can just, just snarl around, snarl around, snarl around, do all everything he wants to. He ain't going to win. I remember when I was a young man, I don't know, probably 14, 15, a, 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 a man, I knew who he was, but I didn't know him real well. He came to our house and, you know, my father, uh, you know, was a rancher and farmer and, uh, and he, and he, he made guns. My father did. He, he, he made stocks and did all this, this amazing stuff to custom guns. And so there was a man came out and had a gun and he wanted to showing it to my father. And so he got to tell him the story and he, and it was an old 30, 30 and he, you know, wasn't anything really special at the time, but he wanted to, he needed some money. He wanted to sell it. And he figured my dad would buy it and he did. And I still have it today. And so this man, he, he, I knew that he had been in World War II. I knew that he had been on the Burma death march and I knew, that he survived that, and he was a pretty tough hombre. And so anyway, he began to tell the story about how that he got up, uh, for some reason he was up in, in the Northern Territory, and he was out there, and he couldn't get back, and, and he knew that he was going to spend the night out, way far out into the woods, and uh, the wolves were after him. I mean, I knew this man was not lying. He was telling me the truth. And the wolves were, a pack of wolves were trying to get him. And so, but it became night and he couldn't get in. So he found himself two trees that were grown up pretty close to each other. And then he put his back up against the trees and he built fire and he kept wood around him and he kept a fire out in the, the uh, you know, out in the perimeter in front of him. And then he sat there with that gun all night long. He had plenty of shells and the wolves would come and try to attack him and they would jump for him and he would shoot them. And the next morning he woke up and I don't remember if he told me 10, 12, 15 dead wolves there that all night long they would try to leap through the fire and get to him and kill him, but he would shoot them. And I thought to myself, what kind of an individual is this that is tough enough to sit there with his back up against a tree all night long as, and not freak out as wolves are trying to leap through the fire and get him and he's going to shoot him? I mean, you've got to be pretty rock solid to do something like that, oh man. And so my point is, as a Christian, this man was not moved by that. I mean, he did what he had to do and he survived and he, then the next morning, had shot the wolves, loaded up his stuff and went home. But what are we going to do when the wolves are coming? Or do we have the redemption, understanding of revelation, redemption knowledge in us so strong that we just pull the, the, redeem, the redeemed card out and say, I'm sorry, I've, I've been redeemed. You know, you forget that mess. You're not doing that to me. No. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Are we there? If we're not, we better get there because I believe that there's a really good chance we could be in some hard times ahead. And I believe you better have your redemption card and you better know what the blood of Jesus says about your life. And you better know who you are in Christ. And you better be willing to stand on the rock and say, uh-uh, you ain't doing that. Galatians 3.13, you've been redeemed from the curse of the law, okay? 1 Peter 1.18, 1 Peter 1.18. These, these scriptures I'm giving you are revelational truths you should have memorized and on the tip of your lips at all times. 1 Peter 1.18 says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundations of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Though through him, 
who believed in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. You better have your faith and your hope in God in these days. Folks, listen to me. I'll get into it more later. Okay, so you got to understand there's a current war going on. I want to come back around to that minute. There's a current war going on. The current war didn't just start. This is not something between, listen to me, this is not something between Democrats and Republicans. This is not something between conservatives and liberals. This is a war that's been going on since before the garden. A war that's been going on. You can find it, Luke 10 and 18. You can look at it, Luke 10, 18. Jesus is speaking. He's talking to his disciples, and he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What's he talking about? He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, and I give you authority to trample over serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's what Jesus told his disciples. But he said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Lightning falls pretty fast, doesn't it? All right? So what's he talking about? He's talking about the war that already took place. He's talking about Satan cast out of heaven already long before the garden ever came about. Let me show you this. Revelations 12, 9 is the next scripture you want to write, write down. Revelations 12, 9. So that great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth. His angels were cast out with him. Huh. Go to Isaiah 14, 12, and it tells you what happened. Isaiah 14, 12 tells you what happens or what happened. It says, how are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground? You who weaken the nations, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high God. Yet you were brought down to show the lowest places of the pit to see you. And those who see you and gaze you would consider you saying, man, is this, this is he? This is the one. That made the earth to tremble, who shook the kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of the prisoners. Now, I want to tell you something. I believe the word of God's true. Do y'all? So what happened here was the devil. And he, there's other, I, I can show you other stuff, but I don't want to get into it right now. It just takes too long. It shows that the devil was the choir boy. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to make, I'm not trying to make light of choir boys. I'm just saying he was the choir boy in heaven. He was full of, he was in charge of the pipes and the music and the organ. He was the choir boy. And so he was the choir boy. He decided one day that he wanted to sit in the high seat. He wanted to be God. And so he challenged him. And it, at that moment, Jesus stepped in and the devil fell from heaven like lightning. That's as long as the fight took. He rose up, boom, down. There was no fight. Listen, there is no war going on between heaven and hell. There is no war that's taking place that we're still trying to wait to see who won. It's already been set. It's already been done. The devil is defeated and God is on the throne. But this issue, the devil got cast to this earth and it says right here that he came to deceive the whole world. This deception going on in the world is coming from the devil who goes and deceives people that give him place that gets them to say, I mean, how about this, folks? When, when I'm just, 
throwing this stuff out. When President Trump got the coronavirus, there were people who were having parties rejoicing and hoping he died, saying they hoped he died. What, what's, does anybody stop for just a minute and think that maybe it's wrong to wish a person to die? That maybe that's not the best way to deal with humanity? Is it to believe that somebody dies? But see, the wickedness within their own heart because of the deception of the devil blinds their minds and blinds their eyes to where they really believe it's a service if he dies to get him out of here. And I have never seen this. This is another sign of the time. Have y'all ever in your life seen a president or anything when there was, uh, I mean, even Nixon and the things that Nixon went through with Watergate and all that kind of stuff. Have you ever seen so much go on for four years to try to get a president out of office than, than, than Trump? I mean, Lord have mercy. They have got everything in the world trying to say this, that, and the other coming up with every, I mean, they are beginning to really look foolish in all the stuff they keep pulling up to try to take the president out. I've never seen anything like this in my life. They were, they were, they're literally gnashing their teeth to get rid of this man. And I have said this before. If it irritates them that much that he's in there, I'd like to see him for another four years. <laughs> All right. Just in the sheer fact that he irritates the life out of them. All right. Because there's something wrong. I'm telling you something wrong. I've never seen anything like this in my entire life. But I want to tell you something. The devil comes in and he begins to deceive. Everybody say deceive. We don't want to be deceived. We want to see things clearly. We want to know that we have the redemption card through Christ Jesus and that we're standing on firm ground and we're Christians and we're proud of it. You know, we've already been called deplorables and those people that just cling to their Bibles and their guns. And I want to tell you something. I'm glad that I'm a Christian. I'm glad it's coming down to this fact, not like, well, Robert, can you really prove to me the reasons why capitalism is so much better than socialism? Can you, can you tell me why this, these factors in, in this plan is better than the factors in this plan? I'm glad they're just calling me out because I'm a Christian. Because it makes it real simple. Makes it really simple. I'm saying, look, I'm a born-again believer. I believe the word of God's true. If you don't believe it, well, then we're, we're opposed to each other. End of story. And I want to stand my ground when the pressure comes on. Okay? So the devil is a deceiver. The second thing the devil is, John 10, 10, is he's a thief. John 10, 10 says a thief doesn't come except to kill, steal, and destroy. He's a thief. He wants to steal. <clears throat> So you say, oh, well, it's just the way of the world. It's just the way it goes. Folks, listen to me. I don't care what you say. When you want to just go into the law of the land and change the law of the lands, that the man that has money, you want to take all of his money and give it to those that don't have money. I'd say that's thievery. And I would say that cannot be done except through the thief motivating it. If you're going to take from me without me wanting you to take from me, Hello? That's a thief, and that's been motivated as a thief, okay? That's what the devil does. He's going to deceive, he's going to steal, he's going to kill, and he's going to destroy. Kill, steal, and destroy. Wow. Sounds like some of the rioters' motto, isn't it? Kill, steal, and destroy. All right? John 8, 44. John 8, 44. Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, he says, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. 
He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because he there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, wait a minute. Wow. Whoo, man, have we seen any of this stuff on this fact checking after the presidential debate? I've never seen people lie like I've seen people lying right now. I've never seen people. I mean, I'm like, OK, now, how do you even get there? How, how can you twist this so much? How can you how can you twist all of this up so much? Well, folks, listen to me. When you're engaged in lies. Then you know what? The father of lies is speaking to you. OK. The father of lies is speaking to you. What we don't realize so many Christians don't realize this, that every day this current war we're in, yes, the, the enemy is dealing up with, you know, government officials trying to topple nations, but he's also dealing with you. And do you know that he deals with you in the same way that he deals with them? More powerful, more effective, maybe, you know, the volume's turned up a little bit more, but on you, he still wants to do things. He wants to deceive you. I want to tell you something, church. Listen to me right now. Hear me good. God is not forsaking his people. Hear what I'm saying. If this thing turns and goes south, God's not going to forsake us. The power of God's still going to be there. We're probably going to see more signs, wonders, and miracles then. And if they come against the church and they come against me and whatever, it ain't going to make any difference. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. We're going to go for God is not forsaking his people. God is not going to leave you. You're not going to be crying out, oh, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? He already forsook Jesus once so you could have the redemption card. But are you going to believe in it or not? Are you going to be swayed and deceived by the things that are going on in the world? Are you going to be get caught over here in lies so that you don't really understand what's going on? Are you going to stand strong? You're going to raise your kids strong. You're going to speak into them the word of God and the things of God, the things that are right and the things that are true. Are we going to rise up as a nation? And are we Christians going to go out with a big bang by saying, we're right, you're wrong. Here's the reason why. And are we going to teach our kids? Are we going to stand strong? Are we going to let our, 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 whoo, come on now. Are we going to let our schools turn to teaching garbage and trash and just let it go? Are we going to end up being the protesters that stand up and say, no, this is wrong. Here's the Bible. This is what the Bible says. You're not going to teach that filth in, in school. We didn't come from a monkey. But you know what we're going to do to do it? We're going to stick together. We're going to have to join ourselves together. We're going to have to keep each other encouraged. We're going to have to stick together. We're going to have to learn how to fight like a one unit. Rather than just everybody going out and doing their own thing. Or like so many of us are up here, we just become isolationists and orphans. We go into our own self, we pull away to our own house, we pull away for our own, you know, deal. So we sit on our porch, you know, petting our dog and holding our gun, saying, They come over here, by God, they're gonna get a piece of me. And instead of saying that, we don't we don't join and we don't stand in faith and we don't we don't fight as a unit. A unit that fights together, man, is gonna win. And it doesn't make any difference that we're not, you know, 5,000 strong. Because I'm telling you what, a small unit can do a lot if they're trained and they work together and they fight together. But church is too many busy. Not here. Thank you. Thank the Lord. I, I, I just am so graced with it, uh, uh, with, with, with blessings. But 
so many churches, they're too busy fighting in amongst themselves to even be able to fight the devil. They hadn't figured out yet that it's the devil they're supposed to be fighting, and they're in amongst fighting everything else about this doctrine, that doctrine. What do we believe here? And I don't know what we believe there. I talked to a person the other day asking about the church that they used to attend, and, and, and I said, you know, have you, you hear anything about what's going on? He said, oh, I said, they're not, they don't, they're not even thinking about the election, not even thinking about nothing, not even thinking about anything going on right now. They're still trying to figure out if, you know, if same-sex marriage is right. I just chuckled. I said, kind of behind the times, aren't they? They had got that picked up and already got that. I said, no, they're still discussing that. Not even thinking about what's coming at the door now, you know. Okay. So go to Revelation 12, 12, 11. You need this one written down. Revelation 12, 11. Is this message making sense to you today? So now I've told you all of this. I've told you what's happened. I told you there's a war going on. I told you your enemy is. I told you that you've been redeemed. So now let me show you how you win. Revelation 12, 11 says they overcame him. Everybody say, I overcome. Man, Romans 8 says you're overcomers. You're more than conquerors, right? Everybody say, I'm an overcomer. You cannot be an overcomer if you don't overcome something. That's like going to school to learn to become an electrician. You take all the tests, you do everything, and now you're an electrician. But you never put that job, that never put that knowledge into practice, and you never wired a house, you never did anything, you never did anything. Yes, I guess you technically can call yourself an electrician, but if you never did any electrical work, how can you call yourself an electrician? But that's what Christians have done. Christians, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm born again. I'm bought. Yeah, yes, I'm bought by the Lord. Yes, I have a card somewhere. Somewhere I have a card. Yes, so, somewhere I have a redemption card. Yes, I have one somewhere. They've never used it, never put it into practice, never defeated the devil, never overcome anything. How can you be an overcomer if you don't overcome something? And all, a lot of Christians have been doing is practicing, you know, for a fight all their life, but they didn't really ever, ever get in one, and they never have even, you know, they really want to because they're really pacifist. So many Christians have bitten into the idea that to be a Christian, you have to just love everybody, and you become a doormat, and everybody just gets to walk all over you, and you're a doormat because you're just going to love and pray for me. Yes, I have to forgive my enemy. <laughs> you know, take the other cheek. <laughs> take the other cheek. <laughs> yeah, God, I love you, Jesus. I'm getting good at this, Lord. <laughs> but there comes a time in life that you have to say, hey, you know, oh, whoa, I blocked that one. <laughs> Ooh, I got that one, too. Maybe I need to rebuke you in the name of Jesus, you foul devil from the pit of hell. Stop swinging at me. <laughs> Hello? We've never learned to fight, so Christians have all just sat back and being pacifist. And let us just get run over by everything. Well, you know, I guess so. We got to love them. Got to love them. Got to love them. Got to love them. Yeah, what about the nation for our future generations? What about for our children's children's children? Oh, we used to be those great days when old grandpapa used to live. We used to be able to go to church and worship, but now, no, we can't. Do you all know that the, that the communist government in China just put out some stuff and said that Christianity is the problem for communism getting propagated, and so therefore now they're turning on, com on Christians and saying Christians have to be stopped? Do you know that the Chinese right now have already rounded up the Muslims and hauled them all off to concentration camps where they are to be, uh, what do you call it, uh, re-educated, re-education camps to re-educate them. Now the next to the Christians are on the list to be hauled off to a concentration camp to be re-educated. 
I've told you this story before about communism and what I've seen firsthand in Russia and in the Ukraine, where they tell me the stories that they took the grandfather out, they took the father out, they took the son out. They walk up to the back and they kill the grandfather right off the bat, don't even give him a chance to do anything. They go to the father, hold a gun to his head and said, take him off to the the re-education camp. Then they go to the son and they say, you maybe can do something. We'll put you in this camp over here because we think we can teach you. The old ones, they're shot. And he said, oh, well, Pastor, that, you know, that ain't going to happen in the United States. <laughs> it just can't take place. I mean, come on, man. We all got guns. <laughs> you hear me right now. And this is a bold statement for a one-eyed fat man, okay? They slap. If you're, they're, they're, just ought to just leave it alone. Ought to just go home. I'm telling you people right now, I'm just telling you right now, uh, they slap a big enough fine and a big enough jail sentence for owning a gun, you will not believe how many truckloads of guns people will turn them in because they're going to give up because they got no fight in them. And you say, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to do that. I know. You're going to be an outlaw like the rest of us. Because people, if they think they're going to lose their comfort, are going to give up. But what they don't understand, that's the lie and the deception of the devil. And once they give up and they go that direction, then they're easier to be controlled and easier to be put in something and easier to be dominated on. I, I am not like a person who is like the most traveled human being in the world, but I have been on five continents on this night in this world. I have seen a lot of different lands, and I want to tell you something. I've always kissed the ground every time I got back to America. Because when you go traveling out into foreign countries, you find out God is not there. And the reason why America is exceptional is because God's hand has been on this nation. And if we as Christians don't rise up and defeat the principalities and the powers and the demonic forces behind what's going on right now and call that thing down and begin to say, no, that is not the way it's going to go. We are we are going to be right. The exceptionalism which has been upon America is going to be gone, gone because God's going to take his hand off of it. And folks, it is bad news then. And the only way we're going to overcome is by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. But if we got no testimony, well, then it didn't get anything done. If everybody's sitting around the cafes just talking and, 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 you're not inter- and you're not putting your two cents in there and trying to bring correction by your testimony, well, then I will tell you something that nobody's hearing anything because there ain't no, they're not going to get it off the news. It's time for us as Christians to rise up and just beat the bushes and say, man, folks, I'm going to tell you something. You better start moving. You better get out there now and get going because if you don't, we're losing everything. And I want to tell you all the truth, my own heart feelings. I want to tell you, if I was God, I'd smoke us all right now because I tell you that this human, this world is about as sick as I have ever seen it. The, the, the diabolical, horrible Sick things that are taking place. I would smoke us all. I would thump us off this planet so fast. And it's only his grace and mercy if he doesn't. All right. But let's remind you of something. You're going to overcome by the blood of the lamb, this redemption card I talked to you about, and the word of your testimony. Now, remember this. Numbers 2320. I don't want to get into reading the whole story. You can go back and read Numbers 23, 24 about Balaam. 
When Balaam was trying to curse Israel, he couldn't curse it because it says in, in verse 20, behold, I have received a command to bless and he and and he has blessed and I cannot reverse it. In other words, what God has blessed cannot be reversed. Now, listen to me. This is the one scripture I'm hanging on to about America. God's blessed this nation and he's blessed this nation so we can promote the gospel around the world. And I'm hanging on to that, that the devil cannot curse it, cannot put it down because we are blessed. But I know individually that you as a born again Christian, you are blessed by God. And I know that because you're blessed, you cannot be cursed. That doesn't mean you cannot have hard times. That doesn't mean things can't be bad. I'm sure when the Christians were in the Colosseum being lying food, uh, uh, running around singing the praises of God, it says, if you go read the history, you know, uh, of what took place, it said that the, the Christians were put in their sport to, for the, you know, Sunday afternoon meal of the lions, and everybody came out to watch how they got eaten by the lions. And that the Christians would begin to praise God and worship him and that the power and presence of God would be so strong in the Colosseum that people would notice that something was going on. But you know what? They still got eaten. And I don't know about you. I just don't want to be eaten by a lion. You know, I just don't want to be eaten by a lion. I am not going to put up with that. No matter what happens, I've already discussed it with my family. They know I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put up that. You're not gonna haul me off to some concentration camp. You're gonna tell me shut up. We tell me shut up the ladder. I'm gonna get shut it off. Do whatever, man. I'm still gonna be preaching. All right. If I'm standing on the top of the roof of this church, shouting as loud as I can. If I had to go get me a megaphone, if I had to go get me a car and put those big speakers on the top like they do in Mexico and drive around, I'm still gonna be preaching. They're not gonna shut me up. They can't shut off that. They may shut me off the internet. They may throw me off this. They may keep me off of that. But I'm telling you what, I'll go get the loud speaker. I'll drive up and down the road preaching. Jesus, repent your dirty My message may get a little harder. <laughs> Foul devils from the pit of hell, I see you over there hiding. But by God, I want to have a voice. Because the testimony is the only thing that's going to win. You've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony is going to bring victory. Okay, now let's just finish up right here. Go back to Luke chapter 10. I want to finish. You've been blessed and you can't be cursed. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Jesus told his disciples this. Luke 10, 2. Truly the harvest is great. Laborers are few. That's still true today. The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. So we need to be praying for laborers to be sent into the harvest. We need to be laborers in the harvest that's before us, and we need to be praying for God to send out laborers into the harvest so that people hear the testimony of the word of God. All right? So that's what you need to be doing. And then still in chapter 10, Look down in verse 38. It's a story of Martha and Mary. In verse 38 says it happened that when they had entered into the certain village, a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who was also sat at Jesus's feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She was approaching. He said, Lord, <laughs> do you not care 
that my sister's left, and I'm left here to serve alone. She's sitting over there at your feet. She didn't make no sandwiches. Well, she wasn't cutting the crust off the bread. We have guests here, and we're trying to have nice finger sandwiches because that's important when you have religious meetings in the house that everything is proper and looks good. Because we're here to make an impression on those that are coming into the house, and we want to look at our finest and look at her. Look at Mary, look at Mary. She's sitting over there at your feet. Jesus said, Martha, Martha. Why are you so worried and troubled about many things? One thing is needful. Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Folks, in this day and age, we cannot get distracted. Do not get distracted. Don't get distracted worrying. Don't get distracted fretting. Don't get distracted. Oh, gosh, do I have enough of this or do I have enough of that? Or have I done this or I've done that? Or, or we got to go do this or we got to do not get so distracted in business. Do not get so distracted in, in family affairs and things and life and everything and all this stuff that you miss sitting at the feet of Jesus every day to hear his word and what's going on. Do not give Jesus a few minutes in the morning. And call that good. You better be. Folks, I'm telling you, those out there listening, you listen to me. You better be sitting at the feet of Jesus and you better be ready for what's coming. I'm not preaching fear. I'm preaching faith because I'm telling y'all today to how to get ready. Man, if you're going hunting, guys, if you're going to go hunting, if you're going on a hunting trip, there's a couple of things that you always do. Number one is you better make sure your gun is sighted in. Hello? If you're going to go shoot, uh, 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 you better make sure your gun is set in. The second thing is, you better make sure your knife's sharp. Because the last thing you want to do is kill something, and then you're out there trying to gut it and skin it, and your knife's dull. And you do not want to be in the field saying, gosh, I wish I'd have sharpened this knife. You do not want to be the Christian who is, you know, zeroing in for a shot, and you say, gosh, I, I hadn't shot, I hadn't even sight, sighted this gun in about Six or seven years. You don't want to be that Christian that's faced with what's coming. You're like, <clears throat> now let me see. How did I pray? <clears throat> what was that scripture? What was that scripture? Where's the scripture cards? We need the scripture cards. And then call me on the phone. Pastor, can you pray for me? I'm like, man, I'm fighting my own. Get up. I have time to mess with yours. Yeah, this is this is my Bible I read out of every morning. It's gotten so fat because see, like right here in this next morning's reading, I have I have four scripture cards plus uh, uh, confessions. That's sitting. That's when I read that chapter. Then when I turn over here to read this chapter, uh, I've got three more right here of confessions and scripture cards. Those go in there. And then I turn over here, and then this one's got one right here because that's the blessing one. And then I come over here, and then I got two more that are over here reading in that chapter. And then when I get over here, I've got three. Three are in here. And I only got to the New Testament. And then I got over here. I'm back here. Reading in the book of Revelation, of all things, my daily reading has followed me into the book of Revelation. So that's like, oh, wow, thanks, Jesus. I really need to be reading the book of Revelation here. And so that I have this with all the notes taken from that I'm getting from that. That's my morning reading. 
And tomorrow morning, everything changes over. Another chapter, get some more confessions, get some things going out. You know why? Because my knife is razor sharp. I am not going in. My gun is so sighted in. My Holy Ghost gun is so sighted in. I mean, I know right where it's shooting at 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, 600 yards. I'm ready. I'm ready. Are you? So that's what I'm proposing to each and every one of you, everybody in here and everybody out there watching. Are you ready? Well, I told you this morning how to get ready. I told you what I believe is coming up over the horizon, and you better get ready. If you're going to get caught in the flood, it's going to take you on off down the road. And at that moment when it all takes place, I pray Jesus saves you because all I'm probably going to be able to do is wave bye bye. I'm being serious. I mean, how can I take care of this? You know that the average pastor, the average pastor can only deal with 50 families. That's what they say. The statistics are the average pastor can only pastor 50 families good. And right now, if you turn this whole thing around, man, we're, I mean, I don't even know what we got out there when the video and the viewing audience. We're talking seven or 800 people from all over, scattered all over the world. So all I'm saying to you is I'm telling you now, get ready. So let's just put your Bibles up right now. Let's just take a moment. Sweetie, come up here and play me something pretty. Play me a pretty song. And let's just stand up. Matter of fact, let me have some prayer team people come down. So if you're out there and you're watching this message, I know you can't be here at the altar, but make you an altar right there at your house. If you're not right with Jesus, get right with Jesus because it could be the rapture coming. But either way, you need to be right with Jesus. So I'm telling you, he said, call upon me and you'd never be ashamed. Call upon me and I'll be there for you. So call on the name of Jesus, asking to forgive you of your sins and let him wash you in his blood and set you straight. If you're in here this morning and you're just, you, you don't know if, if, if tonight's the night and the rapture is going to take place and Jesus is showing up, you're really ready to meet him. Well, then you need to get down here and you need to pray with us before you leave this building. Because I'm telling you, these are not the days to be wondering and questioning. If you've been at one of those Christians that, it's like I'm saying, you haven't sighted your gun in for a while. Well, then folks, listen to me. You better get it sighted in. You better get you a box of shells. Well, if you can find any now. No. Spiritually you can. But you better get your shells out. You better get your gun honed in. You better get it all down so you know what when you're praying that your prayers are being effective. You better know that what's going on in your life is the right thing. Because otherwise you're, it's going to be too late when it comes a storm comes in. Amen. So I want to pray for you, all of you out here, and then we're here at the altar to pray with you. And so, folks, I'm telling you, let's get it down in our hearts. So, Father, right now, I pray for everyone in here. Lord, I delivered the word today that I believe that you had me deliver. So, Lord, I declare that people will listen to this message and it will shake them out of the apathy of their lives and they will turn their hearts to you. Lord, I know that you're going to be with us through whatever's coming down the road. Whatever's coming down, you're with us. 
But I declare, Lord God, that we become sharp Christians. Those that, Lord, are ready for battle to do whatever you want us to do. I declare the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness begin to hear the shaking coming from Living Waters Church. They begin to see that our army is rising and getting stronger and stronger and stronger to defeat them at every corner. I declare, Lord God, that people will come in from the north, the south, the east, and the west into this church to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus and to be saved. And that, Lord, no matter what comes, I thank you cause this church to be a church that's a provisional church, that we have, a provi- have an ability to provide for all needs of people, spiritual, physical, mental, whatever it be, Lord God. Lord, I praise you for that, and I thank you for it. Now, Lord, I just pray over each and every one of us that you let the word of our testimony be effective, that signs and wonders go forth, Lord God, and that we as Christians will stand up and have a testimony for you of how good you are and how you have redeemed us with your blood. And, Lord, that will defeat the enemy. So, Lord, we praise you. We thank you for it. I declare they are blessed today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. We're here to pray for you if you need it.